Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to NJSA's program, Conversations in New, Jer- um, New Jersey Education. My name is Ray Penny. I'll be your host this snowy afternoon. Um, if you want to uh, participate in the program, you have to dial 1-347-989-8904 and then press 1 and that will give me an indication that you have a question. I will then call on you and I will say your last four digits of your phone number. I, uh, our switchboard operator is not here today with the snow. Uh, and I'll also be monitoring the chat room. If there's any questions in the chat room, I'll try to pass them on to our guests. Right now, uh, we'll be talking about the School Ethics Commission's recent advisory opinions on the School Ethics Act. Uh, with me to discuss this is John Burns from NJSA's legal department. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for having me, Ray. Okay, John. Uh, before we get into some of these opinions, What's an advisory opinion anyway? An advisory opinion is a um, way for a board member to get um, legal advice from the School Ethics Commission with regard to their future conduct. Um, And the nice thing about it is, one, it's free. The board member can do it themselves. And um, within... Uh, roughly about a month time or, or so, uh, the board member will be able to receive a written opinion back from the School Ethics Commission with regard to the conduct that the board member has asked about. And so it's an excellent way if ever a board member has a concern about um, uh, a potential vote coming up or any kind of uh, involvement uh in the schools or anything else. It's an excellent way for the board member to get an answer to that question, and that answer then comes back um, in black and white uh, in a written opinion, which the board member can then rely upon um, should he or she be questioned about um, uh, that future conduct um, when they act in reliance on that school ethics opinion. And I want to emphasize this is before any voter action is taken or participation. So you you don't call the night before a meeting. This is something that you have to do ahead of time. Yes, yes. Uh, As I said, um, it it takes um, about a month uh, uh, or so for the School Ethics Commission to get back to the board member. The School Ethics Commission works very much like a board of education. Um, the School Ethics Commission meets on a, mon- on a monthly basis. And what occurs is um, when they receive an, a request for, um, an, for their opinion about a board member's future conduct, um, the staff of the School Ethics Commission will uh, draft an opinion. Uh, and then uh, when the, the School Ethics Commission meets, they will then uh, vote and approve uh, that opinion. Um, and so that's why it's, it's very important for uh, whenever a board member has a question, um, if they want an advisory opinion, it does take some advanced planning. And, um, you know, we, the school board notes just published an article on, <laughs> excuse me, on Thursday.
36 recent ones, some of them are made public, and that's important because it shows, because the School Ethics Commission is feeling that there might be other board members in similar situations, so it's giving an indication as to where their feeling is in an area. Is that correct? Um, yes, yes. Um, and, and, I mean, the, again, the, the key with, with an advisory opinion is that it allows the board member, uh, once they receive that opinion, to move forward with confidence that um, their conduct will not violate the School Ethics Act. Um, so if the School Ethics Commission says, yes, the board member can uh, participate and vote on a matter, then the, the board member can move forward and know that when they do vote and participate on that matter that they've asked about, that then it will not violate the School Ethics Act. And uh, finally, you know, there's been all these new advisor opinions. My understanding is that the School Ethics Commission uh, needs to have a body of six to release uh, advisory opinions, uh, and they've been working under a body of five, and now that they have a body of six, they've released these advisory opinions, which were only be between the, the the board member and the other ethics commission. Uh, that, that's correct. Um, when uh, a board member seeks an advisory opinion, the school ethics commission has um, the option, um, if they feel that what the board member is asking about um, is of such great interest uh, that other board members would benefit from uh, from that determination, the School Ethics Commission will uh, take a vote to make advisory opinions public. And uh, as you mentioned, that does take uh, six uh, of the members in order to do that. And um, just like a, a Board of Education, um, the uh, board does not have uh, the requisite number uh, in order to make a particular kind of vote. Um, then that matter can't be voted on. And what, what occurred in this situation is that there were uh, several uh, advisory opinions that the School Ethics Commission felt um, would be of interest to uh, the, all board members around the state, and, um, but they were without uh, that crucial sixth vote in order to release these to the public. Okay, uh, John, let's get into some of these, because these are very important for board members and boards of education and administrators to know the parameters of participation by school board members. Let's start, I guess, between the superintendent and the, the board member. Uh, in the board's role, they have to hire a superintendent, they have to evaluate the superintendent, and then they have voting that's voting on the personnel decisions. Um, what were some of the, let's talk about some of the interesting uh Opinions in this area uh, well, about superintendent evaluation. Well, I, I would say this: um, the the most interesting thing is um, the fact that in the School Ethics Act, um, there are basically uh, three categories uh, that we're concerned about. We're concerned about immediate family, we're concerned about relatives, and we're concerned about others. Okay, and um, with regard to these opinions, um, we see a great expansion of um, what constitutes others. 
um, prior to uh, these opinions, um, if somebody was not um, a uh, uh, relative under the Act or an immediate family member under the Act, um, the School Ethics Commission in general um, uh, would not necessarily find um, a violation. Um, here we have opinions uh, now where um, we have brothers-in-law that are now considered others and so therefore would violate the act. Um, we have, for instance, um, uh, cousins uh, that would now, um, at least according to these advisory opinions, uh, violate the act. Um, we even have uh, an opinion here where um, someone who uh, uh, is uh, not married um, and um, has a significant other, that um, uh, the significant other would be considered um, an other under the definition of the act. Um, and, I mean, is this surprising? Um, no, not, not necessarily. Uh, the the, uh, the surprising part is um, that because the School Ethics Commission didn't have the opportunity to release uh, these opinions as as board members asked about them, we now have this uh, whole body of of new advisory opinions um, uh, that really talk about others, and uh, so in one sense it very quickly brings into um, sharp focus. Um, a bunch of issues uh, that um, uh, were pre previously not in focus as much. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there's like two, um, the definition of relative, which <coughs> which one do we look at? There's a couple of definitions of relative uh, for board members when they participate. There's the nepotism policy and in this, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things with this is that there are um, a couple of, uh, we could say, bodies of law that we need to consider. Um, and the first being the School Ethics Act. Uh, and with regard to the School Ethics Act, a relative is a spouse, a naturally adopted child, parent, or sibling of a school official. Um, and then the next... Um, uh, thing that we need to be concerned about is member of immediate family, which in the act means the spouse or dependent child of a school official residing in the same household. Now, with the, um, uh, the financial oversight that the um, Department of Education exercised under the accountability regulations, um, uh, probably now um, six, seven years ago, uh, they began. Uh, there is now uh, a definition for nepotism in the um, in the financial accountability regs, and these uh, this definition for nepotism not only includes the the relations that are mentioned under the School Ethics Act, but also mm -hmm. goes much further. Go ahead, Ray. Okay, uh, so it goes much. Uh, so, I guess these recent rulings seem to be, uh, uh, at least from my review of them, 
that if you have a lot, you know, any relative, a broader definition of relative, they broaden the definition of relative. And so you cannot participate in both the superintendent evaluation and the search process? Um, uh, yes. Uh, basically, what it appears that the School Ethics Commission uh, is doing when, when we look at these full bodies, uh, the, the full body of these uh, opinions, is that um, they are, in one sense, um, moving closer to the broader definition of um, that the uh, department has put in regulation under the nepotism regulation. Um, and as I said, that's a much more expansive definition, including um, uh, all kinds of um, uh, grandparents, grandchildren, um, et cetera, and it's a much more expansive definition, including that it also includes in-laws. Um, and what it appears, in order to try and uh, make sense, when we look at the broad uh, spectrum of these opinions, it appears as if uh, the School Ethics Commission is moving closer to a broader definition of um, prohibitive uh, relatives under the Act um, to more closely align with that that's in the nepotism regulations. Uh, now, if you have a relative who works in district, is there any position in the district now? Um, is there a broader definition? Sometimes we have substitute positions, we have temporary positions, sometimes you know, people might work in the district not directly as a, but for another company that works that is uh, hired by the uh, the board. Does that matter? Um, uh, it, it would appear uh, to not matter. Um, uh, for instance, in um, A3014, which is one of the uh, uh, recent opinions that was just issued, um, the School Ethics Commission said that um, a board member whose son is employed as a summer student worker or whose spouse is employed as a substitute in the district may not participate in any employment or personnel issues um, uh, for those who have influence over um, the son or spouse's employment in any manner, um, which would include, um, you know, from the standpoint when we think of um, uh, anyone who has um, any kind of influence over uh, their employment, that's everybody from the superintendent uh, on down in, in terms of the chain of command. Um, so, um, you know, that, that then becomes difficult. Uh, one of the interesting things about this is um, uh, that the nepotism regs do have um, a provision in them uh, that does talk about um, uh, that there might be uh, some exceptions in a policy uh, where um, you have um, uh, sometimes uh, those summer workers. So it'll be interesting to see how that all uh, comes together um, when when everything is said and done. And uh, so um, it's very, very interesting for um, the uh, board member to say, okay, well, what is it that I can do if I have... Um, a relative uh, in the district, um, and and that's kind of the kind of the big question now that we have um, that's still out there. 
and let me just uh, get clarity on this. Uh, I know you talk about anyone who might supervise or have uh, influence on the person's uh, employment. So you probably, if they were, say, just a substitute teacher in the middle school, um, I guess if they're looking to hire a principal, you wouldn't be able to vote on that uh, uh, decision either? Um, uh, that is what it uh, would appear uh, to be the case, um, and uh, because one of the one of the issues is when we look at that at that chain of command, um, uh, it then with board members essentially being at the top of that chain of command, um, and when we look at um, uh, evaluation of supervisors and those kinds of things. Um, Certainly, with regard to the superintendent, we come into um, uh, the issue with regard to a board member who has um, an immediate family member, a relative, or other, as the School Ethics Commission has now defined it. Um, they may not be able to participate in many of the decisions when it comes to the superintendent. Uh, if you have... Uh uh, too many board members who are conflicted, the majority of the board, uh, you have a doctrine of necessity. Uh, were there any uh, teams in this area? Um, yes. Uh, the School Ethics Commission um, issued an advisory opinion concerning the um, search for a superintendent. And what they said here and and it, it in one sense um caught many of us um by surprise was that um if you had a superintendent search that then um the board could uh conduct the search with just um a committee of the board that Prior to this opinion, we would have thought that if there was a majority of the board that was conflicted, that therefore then the board could invoke the doctrine of necessity, and therefore then the um, board could participate as if no one had a conflict. And but what the School Ethics Commission has said is, well, there's no requirement that the entire board uh, participate in this decision. And therefore then um, the uh, board could participate merely with a committee of the board making the decision. Well, I guess uh, all boards then should be, when they're going through a search, they should be, you know, trying to get a piece of advice and check with the board attorney to Discuss these rulings, the, the discuss their situation, to make sure that uh, something that may not have been in conflict three or four years ago may be in conflict now. Uh, that 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 is indeed very correct, um, and that that's the whole issue um, that we now have is um, uh, what we originally thought uh, would be a conflict or would not be a conflict, uh, as the case may be. Um, uh, it might be different uh, now that we have uh, these new these new opinions uh, that have come out. 
Okay, I'm speaking with John Burns with NJSPA's legal department about uh, the recent advisory opinions uh, with the School Ethics Commission. Uh, If you have a question, you can dial 1-347-989-8904 and just press 1 and I'll get to you on the switchboard. I will refer to you by the last four digits of your phone number. I don't have names on my uh, switchboard. John, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, one of the other areas that they touched on was who could participate in negotiations. Um, yes. And let's, let's go into some – there were a couple of interest, uh, well, interesting uh, decisions yeah, yeah, there, too. There were, there were some interesting decisions here. Um, uh, one of them, for instance, uh, concerned a um, uh, member of – the American Federation of Teachers, which is um, a, a different teachers union than the NJEA here in New Jersey. And um, uh, in this opinion, um, the board members said that you know they were a member of AFT and whether or not they could participate um, in uh, negotiations when they, they were dealing with um, the NJEA. And prior to this uh, new ruling, the rule was that um, if you were a member of the NJEA um, and you were a board member, um, that the rule used to be that um, you couldn't participate in the negotiations themselves, but you could... uh, you could vote on the final contract. Um, and now that same, and the reasoning behind that was because NJEA um, is essentially uh, the same statewide union um, for um, all of the teachers, regardless of the individual um, union that they belong to within their districts. And so What has occurred now is the School Ethics Commission has said that not only um, does this rule apply to the NJEA, but it also applies to AFT. um, And what it then brings up is for those uh, employees um, who are members of other unions, um, whether they be um, uh, the... uh, Communication Workers of America, um, whether or not uh, the union might be affiliated with um, uh, the local Teamsters Union or other other unions, it, it brings into uh, focus the fact that, gee, the rule may now be that it's not just if you're a member of the same statewide union, but it may it may now be, gee, any um, public union that negotiates on, be, on behalf of, of um, uh, employees who work for a board of education. And so in one sense, that's now an expansion um, uh, that we now have. And so the rule is now uh, that where you have a, a board member who works in another district, um, it's not only just the NJEA in terms of the same statewide union affiliation, but it's really um, the NJEA and the AFT, and as I said, it might apply to other 
um, uh, district affiliated unions as well. Um, and I think I read through one of the uh, opinions uh, that there was a board member who was a retired NJEA member, but also had been an active member with the NJEA uh, and also employed by the NJEA, and they felt there was a conflict there even though they were retired. Is that correct? Uh, yes, yes, that is correct. Um, uh, previously, um, the School Ethics Commission had issued a, an opinion with regard to the fact that if you were, uh, merely because you were a retired NJEA um, member in terms of being a retired teacher, for instance, uh, that wouldn't necessarily uh, prohibit you from being involved um, uh, in negotiations. Uh, with this particular new new opinion, um, here the rule seems to be that because uh, this person was not only um, uh, an educator at one point, but was also a um, uh, working for the NJEA directly um, as an employee of the NJEA, and was retired uh, from from the uh, NJEA itself, uh, the feeling here, uh, at least among a majority of the School Ethics Commission, was that. Um, because of this, um, their objectivity uh, would be impaired um, because of their long history of being an employee of the NJEA itself. Uh, were there any other uh, opinions in the area of negotiations that board members should be aware of? Um, well, I mean, certainly there are, there are a number um, that they need to be aware of, um, and certainly... Um, uh, we've detailed those in in the school board notes article, along with um, uh, links to each of those individual opinions, um, so that that way um, the board members can uh, look at those and see, gee, whether or not any of these may uh, apply to their situation. Um, but again, as I as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, the these opinions may, in one sense, bring up more questions uh, for uh, board members. And so what uh, individual board members may want to do is they may want to take advantage of, of the advisory opinion system so that that way they can um, get, as I said, um, the specific advice from the School Ethics Commission with regard to their future conduct. And in, in the area of negotiation, I guess, as in with the personnel and superintendent evaluation and those decisions, it seems that, uh, that they've been a little bit, uh, not a little bit, <laughs> they're going in an area that is uh, oh, drawing the line a little bit more uh, black and white, that this is a conflict um, with union affiliations as opposed to pre, you know three or four years ago. Um, that yes, to be yes, that's, that, 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 that's indeed very correct. That, in terms of uh, of what they've said with regard to negotiations, the the key is that it now appears as if um, uh, there are uh, maybe more board members that were going to be, um, uh, in one sense, prohibited from uh, participating in negotiations. Um, and it may actually um, uh, require uh, more boards to uh, utilize this process uh, 
that the School Ethics Commission has outlined, whereby um, the uh, board decides by committee with regard to um, uh, things like uh, negotiating with the superintendent and those kinds of things. Um, and uh, along with this, uh, I don't know if you recall, Ray, but um, last year um, our members asked us to, to look at this issue of, of, of using the doctrine of necessity when it came to superintendent search. And uh, as, as you recall, the, the members asked us to uh, uh, look at this and to um, try and get this uh, changed because with regard to what it is that a board member does, um, certainly the uh, search and selection of the superintendent is, is one of the most uh, important things that a board member does. And so uh, that's one of the things that NJSBA is, is taking up is to uh, try and get that, um, that rule changed so that a board can really employ the doctrine of necessity uh, when it comes to uh, these kinds of conflicts. Uh, I wanted to go through, I thought that there were a couple of interesting rulings, uh, a little different. Uh, one of the conflicts is if uh, a board member is a, if you're sitting on a, a board and then there's the regional school district, uh, they had a ruling in that area which I thought was kind of interesting. Could you explain that one? Yeah, um, what they did, it's it's kind of an interesting ruling because basically what they said was that um, the uh, board member, um, it's A613 is the advisory opinion itself. And um, uh, what they had here is uh, there was a board member um, of a constituent school district um, who was employed as a coach in the regional um of which the constituent school district was a part. And here they said that the board member would violate the School Ethics Act um, if they voted on the appointment of a shared superintendent um, uh, because uh, the, essentially the board member um, uh, would essentially be uh, uh, voting for his or her own boss because the shared superintendent not only oversaw the regional, but the constituent as well. And the issue here was that um, the public perception was that the um, uh, board member's objectivity uh, would be um, impaired. And so here, um, the School Ethics Commission said that the board member um, may not retain um, uh, both the employment as a coach uh, and uh, a board member uh, even if it was on a part-time basis. Um, and essentially, um, uh, you know, it would be as if a board member was also an employee of, of the same district um, that they um, uh, were a member of. And in here, the um, School Ethics Commission said that no, that that would definitely be a um, conflict. So um, that's certainly uh, one of the um, interesting ones for um, yeah, and I, and uh, board we members to be aware of. Look at that relationship between the, right. when we look at the school code of ethics previously, <laughs> now look at the relationship to the regional school district and the, and the sending district or those relationships. So that, I thought that was interesting. I, I thought right. a, couple and, of, and a couple other rules. There's a, oh, go ahead. 
Okay. Well, no, you finish that one because I was going to move on to the uh, Well, I was also going to say um, uh, there was another interesting one dealing with a regional school district um, where there was a board member um, whose board uh, entered in their joint services uh, agreement with, um, uh, with the regional school district. Um, and um, here they said that the board member would have to um, resign if the board member accepted uh, employment um, uh, with the regional school district. Um, and, and so again, uh, we have a situation where um, a local district uh, and a regional uh, where they ha have that relationship that may um, be a conflict for board members depending on what the relationship is um, because of the fact that um, the the regional and the local are in a uh, are, are in a relationship um, where one provides services to the other so and as districts go more and more into shared services, uh, with either other districts, I guess even with municipalities, because um, that's an issue that board members should be aware of when they start working in uh, the shared services. But it's, with, I guess right. it would it hold? I guess for a municipal government, if they're employed by the municipal government and they're doing a shared service with the board. Right, right, exactly. That there may be, there may be issues. Um, there, there was an opinion that was recently released um, dealing with um, uh, a board member who had a, a spouse who worked for the municipality. Uh, and, and in that case, that they said that um, the board member uh, couldn't participate in any of those discussions dealing with um, the, the shared service um, with the municipality uh, that the spouse uh, was involved with. Um, and that in and of itself is, is um, uh, not a, not anything uh, new per se, but the issue is again, all these things are coming much more into focus um, now that uh, we have uh, we have these opinions um, available to us. Um, and so again, the uh, if there's anything that a, a board member is to take from this discussion, it's um, a um, there are some things that have changed, um, uh, particularly with regard to um, uh, superintendent search, um, and that uh, the board member really needs to, uh, if it has an involvement in the in the schools, uh, they should seek uh, the advice of the board attorney or the school ethics commission with regard to their prospective conduct, so that that way um, uh, they can be certain that their actions do not run afoul of the act. And I, I guess I, should, I, I do want to reiterate, it's not like they just made all these rulings you know, this last month or so. It, uh, I just want to, these are something that's been ruled, I guess, I'm not, probably going back a, a little bit over the last year or so. So these are not something that they made these decisions this all of a sudden this last month or so. It's something that's been progressing. I would probably go back to the Martinez case as the, the first case where there was a signal that they had a different um, they were going in a different direction had a, a clear they were redefining conflicts going back to Martinez would that be 
fairly accurate. Right, right, and, 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 right. And essentially what happened in Martinez uh, versus Abolino was the fact that um, the rule prior to Martinez versus Abolino was um, that if you had, um, when you were doing a superintendent search, uh, it made a difference as to whether or not you were um, considering an in-house candidate with a search versus um, a candidate from the outside. And um, Martinez versus Abolino came along and they said, well, no, uh, upon reflection, we really don't think that that makes a difference at all. And so the, the rule that they made was Regardless of whether or not you have in-house candidates or candidates from the outside, um, the rule is going to be that um, uh, you may not participate in um, the the search of uh, the search for the superintendent. So, um, yeah, in one sense, um, it uh, it did signal uh, a change. Um, and uh, whether or not it is uh, actually a change, you'd have to ask people uh, at the School Ethics Commission, but the key is uh, certainly these things are being brought much more into focus uh, than they have in the past with regard to um, uh, these questions of superintendent search. Um, so so that's, really, uh, yeah. that's really the key. Uh, John, I also noticed you going to to, uh, to, you know, school board notes, uh, that there were a couple times, even when board members were volunteering uh, in various capacities, uh, one was doing a doctoral study, but, it, but that's not quite a volunteer, but it was not a, uh, a paid one, and another one was trying to volunteer, uh, had a spouse in the, in the district that was trying to volunteer at a play. Could you just uh, spend briefly on those? And the, the implications. Certainly, I'll, I'll start with the with the one about the theater. Um, uh, and essentially, what happened in this case was um, the board member was a volunteer in the in the theater program, um, and the school ethics commission only looked at what the duties were um, uh, of that volunteer. Um, uh, of that volunteer who was also a board member. And um, among the duties uh, were um, the ability to um, uh, determine who would have um, uh, particular roles within the play and, and um, really seem to have a, um, a supervisory role uh, in one sense over students. Um, and the School Ethics Commission said that this uh, would not um, be appropriate um, because of that role. I don't think that the School Ethics Commission was saying at all that uh, a board member could not volunteer in the schools, um, but the issue was one of the nature of the volunteer role itself um, because certainly, for instance, we have um, uh, Earlier opinions dealing with uh, board members could be um, uh, both board members and members of their local PTA, and only when and only when 
um, issues of, uh, regarding the PTA came up with the board, would the board members have to recuse themselves? Um, uh, here, essentially what the School Ethics Commission said was uh, that the board member would have to uh, stop um, their volunteer role. Um, what would be interesting to know, at least in this particular case, is um, you know, if, if the board member, for instance, um, uh, was doing something different uh, with regard to the theater program, um, uh, where they were not necessarily in, uh, in a supervisory role, but were merely taking directions uh, from others, and uh, whether or not um, that would have uh, changed uh, the outcome. And, I, and as I said, I, I do suspect uh, that it would because of the, of the fact of it was the nature of the of the volunteer role itself. So, and I'm sure most people who volunteer in school board members included, they're, they're just thinking, I'm volunteering, I'm doing a good thing. But board members do have to be aware of the perception, I guess particularly in places where they're, maybe they're volunteering as a coach or in the play or music where they might have to make decisions on students that they have to be wary on that before they make that decision. Right. And, um, I mean, for instance, um, many of our board members are board members because uh, they are already involved in the schools. Um, and uh, the, um, the question that really, um, uh, in one sense, is a question that's going to need to be um, evolved over the next few years is for a board member uh, how what is essentially the nature of their involvement that they can have in the schools for instance can a board member be a board member and also be for instance uh, a volunteer parent in the classroom or uh, be a pa parent who uh, is a chaperone on a trip and those kinds of things um, and, uh, and those are are questions um, that uh, will be evolving over the years. Yeah, and being a parent has always been, a, trying to wear those two hats has always been difficult for the perception. Um, before we forget about it, we did mention, there was one on a, someone doing, a, a board member doing a doctoral thesis. Right, and what was going on here is, as part of the, um, of the doctoral thesis, um, the board member uh, sought to do surveys of um, of the school community, uh, teachers and, and and administrators and so forth. And uh, the school ethics commission said that's not really um, because of the role that a board member has um, uh, and the information that this um, was go that these surveys were going to give um, uh, to this uh, board member slash doctoral student, um, the School Ethics Commission said no, this survey would be inappropriate um, for the board member to conduct themselves. Um, and so it said that they couldn't do that. Uh, and I think one of the keys with this is that the board member had the forethought to say, gee, I'm, I'm completing my doctoral thesis. I'd like to have this information. Let me see if, if me gathering this information would be appropriate or not. And, 
and so had the forethought to um, gather that info, to gather the advice from the school ethics commission as to whether or not it would be appropriate. And in this instance, uh, the school ethics commission said it would not be. Okay, John, that's bringing us toward the end. I'd like to thank you for joining me on this program. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. And uh, to the board members and listeners, I, the advice I would have is that if you have any reservations, you probably might want to have a conversation with your school board attorney on uh, potential conflicts, um, especially since uh, some of these issues are different than they were, some of these rulings are different than they were three or four years ago. So you may have at one point been able to participate, but maybe now you're not. So uh, thank you for listening, and have a good day.